Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Witches. I don't have a book review for today's show. I'm currently finishing up our Literary Witches Coven Read. If you would like to join us in our book club, our book for May is Entering Hecate's Cave by Cindy Branham. The Literary Witches Coven is part of my Patreon on the Witches Institute, and for £6 per month, you receive tons of witchy content from hedge witch studies through to meditations a monthly Patreon podcast episode, grimoire sheets for episodes of the White Witch podcast, access, of course, to our book club, witchy get-togethers via Zoom, and access to our witchy community over on Discord. You can find a link in the show notes. It has been running for over a year and a half now, so you can access tons of witchy content when you sign up. I am so excited to bring you today's episode. I am joined by the wonderful Kate Ray, who I first came across on the TV show, Help My House Is Haunted, and also on the amazing podcast. It's actually my favourite podcast, and I definitely recommend you give it a listen, called Modern Fairy Sightings Podcast. I keep referring to Kate as Kate Faye instead of Ray. She really is a woman of the fairies. This is one of my favourite guests who we've had come on. I gleaned so much information from Kate and her work related to the Fae, and I think you might too. Join me after the break to talk all about fairy encounters with the wonderful Kate Ray. Welcome back. So I am so excited because I am here with Kate. Now Kate Ray is a paranormal investigator and writer. She has featured in The Haunted magazine. She has been on radio and TV programs such as Help My House Is Haunted, a practicing witch and a student of parapsychology, which gives her opportunities to examine the field from both perspective of believer and skeptic. Kate has a passion for learning and teaching about working with energy in the field of paranormal from protection to spiritual pathways, but her true passion lies in the realms of the faith. You can find Kate over on her amazing YouTube channel, Hair in the Hawthorn. She also creates some amazing, beautiful mushroom craft that you can find on Etsy. And I will link all of her details in the show notes. But welcome to the show, Kate. Oh, bless you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm try not to fangirl too much. So I... (laughs) I first came across Kate on Help My House Is Haunted, which is one of my favourite programmes. I'm not even lying, honestly. We've had many conversations on Patreon about this show. In the same week, I also came across you on one of my favourite podcasts. It was like the synchronicities were there, the Mm -hmm. Modern Fairy Sightings podcast. And I was like, who is this woman? I must contact (laughs) her. She's amazing. See if she'll come on. And I recently came across you on Spirit Talk with Chris Fleming. He is one of the psychics from the earlier seasons of Help My House is Haunted. And you were talking all about gnome encounters, which Mm -hmm. was a great episode. 
Um, so, so one of the things we were talking about over on Patreon, because we've been talking about you, your ears have probably been burning, <laughs> talking about your YouTube channel. And one of my Patreons, Becky, one of our witches, says every time she watches you on YouTube, she always sees things in the background like orbs or just things flitting about. And it made me smile because that is exactly what Chris Fleming said on his podcast that he did with you whilst you're on the on the episode itself. And I know, like, I've seen it myself. The face seems to be really drawn to you. Are you happy to share perhaps on your first encounter with the Fae or just any encounters that you might be happy to share with us? Yeah, I, I'm quite happy to share them all. I'll, I'll go back to the uh, to the anomalies that, that happen when I'm, I'm Zooming with people. And it's usually people when I'm chatting on, on video chat um, about the fairies and about the paranormal. And I was saying to you just before we came on that one of the things is that I, I'm, I, I try to keep myself grounded and sceptical and, uh, and critical in thinking about mm-hmm. these kind of things. And there is often times when I'll see something on the screen, but I don't actually see it with my own eyes, which is a paranormal investigator. I just put down to it's a water droplet. It's, you know, it's a bit of dust, a bit of lint, something <laughs> like that. But there are occasions when I actually see them physically with my own eyes and they're they're just phenomenal it it just it takes my breath away every time it happens every time I actually see them in the room and I would like to think it's fairy energy it is definitely some kind of of energy and I was just um, disclosing to you about when I have those phenomena go off downstairs um, in the property that I'm in my partner oftentimes will have things occur in, in other places, other rooms in, in the house, which, um, you know, wow. sometimes sometimes freaks him out. So um, there was one, one particular time, and I can't remember who, and I think it actually turned up on the audio of the Zoom, and I can't remember who I was interviewing for the YouTube channel, uh, but there was a really loud knock on the, on the back door, and um, you can't get to our back door because it's gated and locked. Um, I came down after the after the Zoom uh, to my partner freaking out because somebody had literally knocked on the door while I was having this Zoom meeting. So there are things that go off and they definitely become more interested when I'm talking about the subject with people and especially people who are believers who are interested. Uh, Mm. We usually get bits of phenomenon going off. Do you think that the more you t- do you think it's like the more you talk about them, the more they gravitate towards you as well? Yeah, people I think. General. Yeah, I, I don't think it's so much gravitate. I think when people start, I think you put out a different energy pattern when when you start mm. believing and investing your time in these things. Uh, I know from the, the ghost hunting side of, of what I do that the more you go out ghost hunting, the more liable you are to encounter other phenomena that that goes off. And I think you open yourself up in a way that's more attractive to them and also gives these energies more energy to be able to maybe materialise or to interact with you. Um, So I think it's a bit of give and take, you know, um, energy wise between the two. I agree with that because I used to do a lot of spirit work. I worked with a psychic quite closely for quite a long time and I absolutely agree with you. And Mm. towards the end, I kind of wasn't grounding myself as well as I could. And I started to have a lot of, well, let's just say unpleasant experiences at home, which is my fault because I wasn't necessarily doing the work. I got a bit cocky with it. But yes, I agree with that. And I, I can imagine the same with the Faye, yes, you know, and, and the line of work that you're in, I'm sure that they are very aware that you, yeah, you're sort of, yeah, talk, doing all this work and talking about them and so on. I was really curious about, if you don't mind talking about this encounter, because I found it fascinating, mm-hmm. but on Joe's podcast, you were saying about, I think it was your first encounter, which yeah. just amazed me. Are you happy to talk about that or share that one with us? I am, I, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do, do you want the longer version or the or, or the potted version? Oh, you've we've got <laughs> as much time as you've got, Kate. So you two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it happened down in in Oxfordshire, uh, uh, near Wayland Smithy, in the the White Horse. Um, I was uh, at the time I was very much interested in all fourteen subjects, sort of anything of strange and phenomena, supernatural, but 
I, I didn't really invest uh, my time and my research as I, I did later on in life into it. So it wasn't something that was ever really at the forefront of my mind constantly as it is nowadays. Mm. And I had a group of friends who, who very much kind of were, you know, had that alternative view about life. And we were sat around bored, being very, very skint, sort of teenagers, early 20s um, on a Friday night. And we had nothing really to do. And a, a, a friend of mine said, I've, I've got this book. And he pulled this book off the bookshelf. And I, I later found out it's uh, the Magical Atlas of Britain. Mm-hmm. So we had this, this crazy notion, as you do when you're that age, that we we're just going to open the book randomly on, on a page and blindly run a finger down the page. And wherever it stopped, that's where we were going to go that evening. Bearing in mind, it was, it was getting late. It was, it was getting late. And it, it landed on. Uh, the Uffington horse, the, the Uffington white horse, which is, I think, actually a dragon, but that's a different, different story. So we all piled into this, uh, a friend of mine's uh, very old clapped out car and made mm-hmm. our way down from Nottinghamshire to, to Oxfordshire. And we um, stopped over in the car, uh, tried to get a few hours kip um, down a farmer's track, uh, to which we were w- woken up before the dawn uh, by the farmer saying you kind of can't park here you know you're gonna have to move on so we asked him where the white horse was and he he pointed us up um, a route and we actually took the route uh, over the back of the white horse so if you come down the main road you can actually see it from the road but this was the backside and it was it was summertime but there was a really thick mist and Mm. we're coming up over the brow of the hill and we're all complaining that we we couldn't find where the Uffington horse was um, to somebody um, in the party because we were kind of scattered about uh, shouted we're on it and uh, we kind of looked down on our feet and there was the the outline you know the chalk outline and um, we stood there for a minute and a pocket of the mist lifted up I mean it started off as this really incredibly magical day and a pocket of the mist lifted and there was a herd of deer uh, just in the middle of the of the Uffington horse um, and they hadn't heard or seen us or smelt us and, and vice versa and it was one of those you know spine chilly moments that just seemed to go on forever but obviously didn't and then they they kind of bolted back into the mist and that was the kind of start of uh, um, you know the slight weirdness the things that you remember so we decided to sit on the head of the of the white horse and just watch the mist lift and watch the, the sun come up. And we'd also seen in, in this particular book that um, there was a place called Wayland Smithy. Wayland Smithy is a, a Neolithic burial, burial ground, burial chamber. Um, and we were gonna head down there and there's a, there's a, a very ancient route from the white horse that uh, proceeds down to, to Wayland Smithy. And I can't remember off the top of my head how long the walk is, but as a grumpy teenager who hadn't had a great deal of sleep, it seemed like a really long walk, but it probably is probably not. And I was lagging behind. So I was with a party of uh, four guys who were striding on ahead and I was lagging behind and the sun, the sun was definitely warming up um, as we were going. So it's a beautiful, bright morning. And I kept hearing this kind of it was a cross between singing, whistling and humming. And the only way I've ever been able to describe it, it sounded like the clangers. So if there's anybody of a certain age who remembers um, the clangers, which was a kid's kids show. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we had yeah. little toys of those in yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember well. <laughs> um, it, it did. It sounded like that. It sounded like that kind of... But it was it was it was on mass. There wasn't just uh, you know wasn't just the odd one or two. Um, wow. It sounded it sounded like a lot. And when we were walking down to Wayland Smithy, it was a very uh, narrow track, and the hedgerows started at sort of probably uh, just lower than sh- shoulder height. Um, and it kind of it was a, like a grassy verge up to the to the bottom of the actual hedgerow, and um, so I decided that I was going to stop to see if I could locate where these noises were coming from. And every time I stopped, the noises stopped. This this kind of singing stopped. I then carried on, walked on, and as I was walking on, I kind of took a dive to my uh, to my side, to my left hand side and tried to part the grass 
where this, you know, where one of the noises were coming from, to mm. which the I saw something scatter. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a good good look at it. So I walked on a little bit further and then I literally jumped in the grass and parted it. And my hands were either side of this, this creature. And it was probably the size of a, a large toad. Yeah. Um, and had that kind of shaped body. Uh, but had a very mousy head and I remember looking at it it was on all fours and it had turned its head uh, and was kind of peering at me and I remember not thinking oh that's a strange creature but my first thought was it's got tweed trousers on and it had this very very small minute pair of tweed trousers on with a pair of red braces holding them up yeah yeah and um I looked, it looked, it screamed, I screamed, and it bolted off it, in, into the uh, into the hedgerow. And I, I kind of chased on to try and get caught up with uh, friends of mine. Um, and I said, my first thing I said was, "Did you hear the? Did you hear the whistling? Did have you heard the noises?" To which they said no. Um, I then told them about the encounter, thinking in my innocence that they would want to you know help me search out these things you know do come and help me I got an absolute barrage of abuse for it uh, you know it was it was I was the butt end of the joke for the rest of the day about how I'd seen this what was termed a gnome we termed it you know it was termed a gnome so I didn't speak to anybody about it for um probably about 10 years uh, after because I just felt so stupid you know, because this was, I'd never come across anybody who'd actually had physical encounters of this nature. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. heard, heard people say, oh, I've seen an apparition or, you know, I've, I've seen poltergeist activity or I've seen a UFO. I never actually heard anybody say that they'd seen something along these lines. So it, it was very, very special. It was a very, very special encounter that one was. And when you said... Oh, well, just come back to your account there. Yeah. Did you feel instinctively it was a gnome or did that come from kind of like looking into things thereafter or was it just a feeling that, that came up like, oh, it's, it's a gnome? I think for me that it was the only, it was the nearest name that I could come up with because I had a yeah. sense that yeah. this thing was from the earth. Had a, yeah, I had a yeah. sense that it was, you know, it, it wasn't an airborne creature, you know, it wasn't near water, it was, it was very earthy looking. So yeah. no, Gnome was definitely the, um, my instinct. I, I later renamed it the sod because it looked oh, like it was a sod of earth. That, that's, how, yeah. that's the kind of feeling that I got from it, that it could flatten itself down and be stealth, you know, in, in the hedgerow ah, bottom. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But, it wasn't that um, I associated the name later on or it, it didn't give me any, you know, I know people have encounters and they get telepathic mm. images or conversations. But the only thing that I got from this creature was um, it had this kind of, oh, shit, she's seen me. Yeah. <laughs> Panic about it, you know, and, and, and it just it bolted off. It was um, it was amazing. But it was almost like curious about what you were doing and vice versa, you know, kind of like following you along and trying to see where you're going and what you're doing. And that that's kind of that's what I wonder, like, do they kind of just get curious about us? And that's how we end up seeing them sometimes. But I'm going to kind of ask you some bits on this. But I, I yeah. do think I mean, I've, I completely get you. And I know that you've obviously been on Joe's podcast, but I've had not as amazing and and you know magical a kind of fae experience mine was quite scary but I know what you mean about um talking about it because when I, I was actually with somebody else when I had mine and my mm -hmm. was my partner who was really skeptical and he like he was really skeptical and mm -hmm. the fact that he felt it was a fae sighting but he would never have it, it spoke to anybody about it for just fear of ridicule but for me even like all the work I do and all the you know all the, all the stuff I do linked to witchcraft and the fae and all of this even I when I've spoke to people about it have still felt like nervous because people mm. aren't as open and, and again you working in the um 
you know, paranormal investigation side of things, people are really open to that. But a lot mm-hmm. of the fame sightings, people, we recently had a Patreon night and we were talking about experiences that we'd had. And it was like for some of our witches, it's the first time they've ever had the chance to talk to anybody about it because they haven't, we, you know, not all of us have got very open minded people in our yeah. life, but you can say, oh, that happened, you know, <laughs> it, it, but yeah, I, I think it's, you know, so I completely get you and, and kind of like the ridicule, but, but, but what a magical experience, you know, like what an amazing, yeah, I, I also wondered like with the journey, when you got there, was this around like dawn or dusk or can you remind me on the time? Yeah, I mean, this, it was definitely dawn and I, I didn't get the feeling that they were following me or curious of me. I got the feeling okay. that they thought that I couldn't hear them. It was almost like they were singing, singing a dawn chorus themselves, that they were mm-hmm. sort of singing to each other as, as they were busying themselves. Um, and I don't think they expected to be heard. So when my footsteps stopped, they stopped because they thought, oh, somebody's listening. Um, and I certainly don't think that this thing wanted to be seen. And I don't think it was curious mm. at me. It looked petrified. Um, it probably mirrored my own look because I was petrified. <laughs> not because it was a horrible thing just the um, obscurity of it it was very surreal very surreal do this is a very open-ended question do you (laughs) think that they are do you think there are certain people that have got the sight because that's always something that's always been written about in a lot of folklore and you know certain people that can, can you know can see say or just all manner of things or do you think that it's like a kind of crossing over of two realms and sometimes it goes a little bit bandy? I think I think it's sometimes a combination of the two. I mean, when I talk about all, all things paranormal and, and especially when it comes to uh, psychic abilities or, you know, clairvoyance, clairaudience, etc. Mm. I, I do believe that everybody has the ability. Yeah. Um, and, mm. and I think that when we are children, we, we have... Um, a, a very natural ability that's very easy and as we grow older we get jobs we become more materially grounded I think that that antenna kind of you know doesn't work as well or isn't as active but I think mm-hmm. that there are certain people who are drawn to keeping their energies open and to uh, to to be curious and I think um, I think that that's where you know when when people are seers I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about um, an example of this. For instance, mm. when I started in paranormal investigation, I was curious about, you know, protecting myself on an energetic level, but also learning uh, mediumship. I'm not a ma- natural medium and it's not something that I'm particularly drawn to, but it's something that I wanted to try and develop. Mm. And actually, I was encountering then more fairies than I than I was the spirits of the dead. So I put my antenna up thinking I was going to get, you know, ghosts of haunted properties um, sort of conversing with me or, or you know, mm. having interactions with. And it was the Fae that were coming through. So wow. I, don't, I don't know how that happened. I, it's not because I didn't ask for it. I was asking for, but I, I, I think it's because I was asking for any energies in the property to come forward. And the fairies just kind of went, hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely love that. And actually, this kind of leads me on to a question I want to ask you about. Uh, can you talk about the fairy encounter that was on the episode of Help My House is Haunted, the episode that you featured on? Because it was a case of like this came up and the investigators were like, oh, what? You know, and, and yeah. I remember Barry going like, right guys this is nothing I know who to call and then you came <laughs> on and that was it but can you kind of talk us through like that it, that episode because that was fascinating and there's a few things off the off of that I wanted to sort of delve into also if that's okay with you yeah sure so um I, I I'm actually part of uh, Barry Guy's um paranormal group um so I I um I'm a paranormal investigator for his events and and for private cases that come up through him. So I'd I'd known Barry, um, I think a few years uh, before, you know, I'd been been working with him for a couple of years before that episode. And he was somebody and and still is somebody who is very, very open. So when I was 
going out investigating with the team and saying I was coming across these other energies, these other entities that weren't human, but weren't on the demonic side um, that I was putting into the, the fairy category. He was very supportive of me continuing that kind of working interaction and, and, and figuring things out, especially for people mm -hmm. who were in haunted properties. So he he knew how I, I worked and he knew I could tap into this this side of side of things. I was also at the, at the time um, really kind of uh, focusing and, and uh, really fascinated with remote viewing. Um, and I would often use our investigations as a team to to do remote viewing. So before we went to in, uh, investigate a new property or a new building, whether it be for events or private, I would always ask for a picture of the front door just for my own training. And I would go into, into the property, not knowing anything about the property, just given the, the front door um, and just sort of search around on a psychic level to see what was there. And it, it absolutely fascinated me because I would get features of the building that were spot on or features of a building that had been, you know, renovated or knocked down, that kind of thing. And I'd also encounter um, some spirits occasionally but uh, generally if there was fairies about I'd, I'd encounter them so it was it was one probably midday um, afternoon I can't remember what day it was Barry phoned me up and said we've got this case um, I'm on I'm on set um, and I need you to to have a look at this property and I asked him not to tell me anything he mm -hmm. sent me a photo of the the couple's front door and I sat for probably about an hour-ish and, and did a, a, a deep guided meditation through the property. And I literally opened the front door and there was this, um, it, it was only a, a kind of a fuzzy black mass because it was moving around so quickly. And it, it was probably just under waist height and it was literally going in and out of rooms and it was it was frantic absolutely frantic this energy and I, I eventually this is psychically got it to to calm down and it came and stood directly in front of me very very directly in front of me and it was kind of spiky um it was presenting um like a a, a tree ant but spiky mm. spiny uh, yeah, and it was, yeah. it was he was ranting at me and, and I, I didn't understand what he was saying. It was very, very fast. And I later found out that it wasn't British that he was talking. Um, and I finally got him to calm down. And as he was calming down, he he morphed shape into this small pot-bellied, slightly hook-nosed, balding little creature. Mm. And um, he kept saying, my tree. It was my tree, you know, and he was very, very angry. And he gave me an image of an orchard, which was the image of the, the I mean, if anybody, and I'm sure your, your listeners do, but understand how you, you sort of uh, psychic levels work. We're often given symbols and um, images as opposed to words. Yes. So he show, showed me my next door neighbor, my next door neighbor's orchard from when I was a child. So I instantly knew that, there was an apple tree involved in an orchard and uh, and that's what he was mad about and he he basically said you know they, they've they've really really pissed me off you know that was the that yeah. was the bottom line they'd you know they'd really upset him so I got back to Barry and I said I don't know what it's worth Barry but this is what I've come across and he was like you're joking he was so excited <laughs> Um, and I didn't know anything about it. He said, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. We've got to put you on online. Um, and he called me back and we did that telephone call that was then part of the series. Now, what happened with that particular episode? Because um, the narrative of the episode has to fit in with a time constraint. Yeah. Uh, they left bits of it out. Um, and yeah. of course... In the episode, we see that the couple had chopped down a tree in their current back garden, which had further pissed this thing off. But they had lived in France and they'd picked this energy up from France and they did have a large orchard and they had mm. chopped down, down a tree because it wasn't aesthetically pleasing to them where it was. And it was this thing's, this pixie's own tree. Um, and it followed them all the way from France to Devon. Wow. Uh, I, I spoke to the couple probably about a year later. They'd had 
uh, virtually no activity um, mm. for about a year. Um, and then it started picking up again. It wasn't the haunting side that was picking up, but it was very much this pixie-esque behavior that was picking up again. And I asked them, I said, you know, have you ignored him? You know, mm. and they were like, they'd started off and they were doing everything that I'd, I'd kind of asked them to do. You know, they were, they said they were sorry and they planted a tree and, you know, they were leaving him gifts and it kind of trailed off. I said, you've yeah. got to keep doing it. I think you're stuck with him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 from France. he can't get back <laughs> yeah so you're, oh, you're stuck with him <laughs> oh my goodness that uh, that episode was amazing yeah I mean they were kind of like because I remember you saying about the the, the the extra bits that went on the show they were like you know cutting trees up left right and center yeah um but honestly I found something I really wanted to ask you in relation to what they were experiencing in the house so am I right in this or did I kind of misconstrue this? But I've also sort of read it and heard it. I, I, I mean, I read a lot on the fame, but I'd love mm-hmm. your take on it. So on that episode, I know they're experiencing like poltergeist behaviour and they yes. had that little stove. There was this like little old fashioned stove and there were all things going on with that. And and so am I right in thinking that sometimes the fae, you know, they can demonstrate poltergeist behaviour Yes. in someone's house and and you know as a paranormal investigator would you say that perhaps at times when that might be going on in someone's house it could possibly be that it might be fae it might not necessarily be you know the spirit of a dead person or someone linked to the building you know it, can I put that to you and see what your take is yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be that straightforward. I mean, it's a, it, it is a, it's a little more complex in the fact when you've got uh, human energies, uh, you yeah. know, you can range from, you know, your telekinetic energies of teenagers right the way through to people, you know, yes. Uh, yes. manifesting egregores and tulpas. But I think if, if we see it this way, that the word, word poltergeist is a modern word. And prior, yeah. prior to that, the fairies would have been blamed for that that kind of activity. So yeah. anything being moved, any apportation of, of coins or keys, people would ask the fairies, you know, they would say, I need mm. my keys back. Can you please bring them back? What, what I, I am wary of and, and careful of is yeah. that there is a, a very fine line between the uh, mischievous and virgin on malevolent uh, behaviour of the fae and then we get yeah. into the, the darker, uh, the darker sort of whether they be ancient earth spirits or whether they be, you know, demonics, whatever your belief is. Yeah. Um, and that there is a fine line. Uh, the, the, yes. thing, the thing for me within the paranormal community, and I go out um, and, and do talks fairly regularly now for, for paranormal uh, communities, is um, how you deal with fairies is very very different to how you you deal with the spirits of the dead and how you deal with demonics so yeah. if you're if you're trying to rid your house of fairies getting the good bible out and and, and reading verses and, and doing uh, you know uh, very general exorcisms on a, on a property he's not going to really cut the mustard with them mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I mean there's fairy folklore that says you know the fae don't like it and they don't like church bells from my encounters, they're not bothered about religion. It's not something that really enters into their um, into their head about uh, about religion. They think it's slightly nonsensical. I think, um, but yeah, definitely with the poltergeist activity, I think um, mischievous behaviour can. I would say a lot of the time, you know, looking into whether. It- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's fairy and not, and dealing with it is fairy would be probably a good point of call if you're experiencing that. That's really interesting. And, and you touched on this, but I wanted to ask you about the concepts of the imp and if they are a form of the fae at all, or if they are, I don't know, like, do you consider them as a form of earth elemental or like a, you know, darker version or do you, do you have, would you say they are of, are of the fae? Uh, simple answer straight answer for me is yes and this is very mm. much from from a personal perspective I know that there are staunch folklorists and people who work in a, in different uh, ways with fae that uh, have very yeah. clear-cut views of, of what fairies are but for me the 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 absolute range of uh, different variations within within the fae are absolutely huge there, there is as many as uh, different types as there are animals in the animal kingdom. And, yeah, and yeah. the di difficulty comes, and I know the word imp became very, very popular because it does describe a behaviour. It does describe something that's mischievous to the point of malevolent. Now, for me, imp isn't necessarily a specific energy or uh, species of fairies. And who yeah. knows, I, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong about this, but it's more a descriptive of behaviour. And I think yeah. it's a, a very, very good description of behaviour um, that, that we see within that realm. I mean, what, what names we give to them and how we, tr we try as human beings to classify um, because that's how we know to, to, to learn and to research. But mm. I think when you're talking about fairies, they are trickster. They are changeable. They are shape shifting. They are uh, different energy levels. They, you know, to try and categorize them for me is just like it's playing with mercury. You can never get it into it <laughs> yeah. into a solid form, you know. But which is one yeah. of the lo lovely things about about uh, working with them. And really, as well, I mean, I don't know if I agree with you on. I I, I did want to see what you thought, but I I'm kind of of the thought that the imp was a fae and the kind of it's all got a bit distorted and like you say you know you sort of got the christian aspects of things and using the bible to get rid of things and then it becomes little demons and i just always thought they were more of the fae and it was like yeah like you say just disruptive mischievous behavior I, mm. I still have got a lot to learn on this front I mean I'll probably be here we, you know a whole we could be here a whole lifetime like yeah. learning all of this stuff and and never really know anything I mean you know tons on this but in terms of the fate as well yeah there is no real like uh, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this but logical you know or rationale or you know no. is that trickster energy and and there's no good or bad with them either if I, I don't no. think I've got that wrong I don't know I mean that's always kind of what I've come across um no they de I mean um, they're, defi they're definitely not like human beings where they have it you know an intention to go out and to be yeah hurtful or harmful it's it, usually that comes about because humans have done something to upset them that that kind of behavior comes out it's it's like um you know you can't you don't look at a horse and think oh that horse you know all horses are bad you know or all horses are good or you know there's a, there's a whole range of variety of personalities in in every animal in the animal kingdom um right the way across the board and you know animals don't intentionally do inherently bad things that's a very uh, very human trait to do that and we do um you know we do we do humanize uh, the fairies uh, much to probably their hilarity um yeah. but we, we we do try and humanize them and and they're not they're, they're they're very separate separate energies from from human beings we had a interesting conversation on the podcast with a chap called mark hughes who is a paranormal investigator and mm -hmm. he was talking about and actually this is something I'm I've just bought a book on this that I'm going to kind of get into I, I, I can't remember what it's called but it looks at and and you know I still need to read it but it mm -hmm. looks at the possibility that there could be links with the fae and aliens and perhaps you know when we go back to old 
accounts of where there were like children that were abducted in like the Tudor times and you know hundreds of years ago and they turn up miles and miles away you know some say well actually maybe they could have been aliens you know um I don't know if you've ever gone down that that line or you know gone down that rabbit hole with this but is this anything that you've ever riffed on or you're happy to kind of talk about I, have you got any theories on it I'll tell you what that. <laughs> I've gone down the rabbit hole I've gone into the warren I've bought the t-shirt <laughs> yeah. and I'm still there I let me tell you <laughs> yeah I just was really curious because I don't want to kind of yeah like distort things too much but yeah I wondered what your concept on that was because I I do wonder if like some of these you know oh the little Johnny was taken away and turned up you know 10 miles away and and actually it was the fae but a lot of it can be possible to be an alien abduction. I think I think one of the theories that I subscribe to, because it's the easiest one I think I can get to uh, wrap my head around, there's a really good book if anybody if anybody's interested in the connectivity of all 14 supernatural and paranormal. It's absolutely mind blowing. It's a, a great body of work by a guy called Josh Cutchins, who I, who I had the, the pleasure of interviewing and his book, literally I have to read a chapter go away and mull it over for a month because it is just all these connectivities and and how everything is in, interconnected but I think one, one of the theories that I do um, I, I particularly enjoy about that the, the correlation between the fairies and, and aliens is the fact that we can only understand these etherical beings in in a context of the time that we live in so yeah. uh, we may see um, classic grey aliens because it's easier for us to digest that we're being visited by classic grey aliens in today's modern society than it is by a winged creature that, that flutters in through the window. So it may be a case of our, psycholog uh, our, our psychological state interpreting uh, these encounters, or it could be that they shapeshift into into ways that we can understand what is happening and what their intention is. Um, it, it is it is a massive subject, fascinating subject, and there are people out there who cover it incredibly, incredibly well. But it's it's not just a rabbit hole; it's a warren and a half. Let me tell you, and it's it's a really good one. It's a really good subject. You've actually got some you've got some good interviews on your on your really good interviews on your YouTube. Actually, amazing, and obviously I'll link the channel. But I I know you've got one on there that goes into the alien side of things. Yeah. But I did want to ask you. That's a really good point because that. I will definitely get that book I'll definitely peruse that are there any books that because you, you there are a lot of books on the fae and mm. a lot that you probably think no no <laughs> so mm. what ones would you heartily recommend that you think would be a good place for people to start to get a real good idea of them um I I think it I, I would I, and I know again your listeners will understand this I, I think I would go for intuition I mean my very first introduction to what I really understood to be fair is was the work of Brian and Wendy Froud um, yeah. and, and their beautiful drawings and, and the, the puppets that they 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 build. And for yeah. me, that that was just seeing those pictures and thinking, yeah, that's exactly what they're like, was my first real kind of pinpoint moment uh, um, early teens about saying, yeah, th there are people out there who understand what these beings are. I would go for your intuition because even those books that I've picked up and they're a bit twee for me. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I tend to like <clears throat> not working on the dark side, <clears throat> sorry, but understanding this more mischievous behaviour, that, that's what really draws me. So yeah. oftentimes you'll get uh, very light, airy books that are about working with fairies on that end of the spectrum, which don't really appeal to me. I would mm. say one of the books that is, um, it was a bit of a shocker for me, really. Um, I, I picked it up many years ago it's called the fairy bible and I, I, I picked it up I, I like to have a range of different books on on the bookshelf on subjects the front cover is always highly disappointing to me because the the actual subject matter in it and how it's dealt with is brilliant so it's basically yeah. a, a dictionary um and that a to z of different characters that you may sort of come come across in in the fairy realm and that's a very good one um, there's also a book which I've never been able to get hold of and now is well out of print by uh, Catherine Brig. Briggs, Briggs, oh, Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 
Um, and and that's uh, the encyclopedia, I think that's the encyclopedia of fairies. I could have got that title wrong. It's, it's hundreds and hundreds of pounds now to get a copy of that, um, which is unfortunate, but that's pretty much a staple go, uh, go to for a lot of the uh, fairy uh, folklorists that I know. Um, in, in terms of books, I, for me, I, I think personally, I develop more from having conversations with people, from listening to encounters that people have had, mm-hmm. from working on my own intuition, you know, and using books to pick up and, and flick through. I've recently bought, and I must mention this because uh, Dr. Simon Young is, is such a good guy um, and um, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to him on a number of occasions. He has recently bought out uh, the Fairy Census Volume 1. Uh, so I think it was 2014 to 17. I could have got that completely wrong. Could be 2017. You have to excuse me. But there was a fairy survey that went out um, literally worldwide. It was open to anybody to uh, log an encounter. And that's yep. been in PDF file uh, available for free on the Internet. So people can find it if you put in fairy census. He's recently um, over the last week published it in in. in book form which I was begging him for for ages because I don't like reading on the internet and that for a source of modern day encounters is fantastic he's just completing his second census so if anybody wants to go and log an encounter that they've had it's completely anonymous Uh, again if you put in fairy census it will take you to a, a, a very simple questionnaire where you can log any encounters And for me, from a research perspective, I find those kind of cases absolutely fascinating because these are real encounters with real people um, and collated in a way that you can you can flick through and understand. So I'm sorry, I've completely deviated from where the question was. No, no, you haven't, Kate. I'm fascinated because I was going to say, right. The fairy census, you are so right. I have seen this before and I'm excited to hear he's now published it because I've actually looked at this and it's really funny you say that because I have found that the more I read that and different encounters on just, you know, all manner of sites and websites and Reddit and all sorts, the more similarities I've seen and especially in the in how they've looked, you know, mm-hmm. that that's really kind of been for me something I haven't got out of books absolutely agree with you I've got a range of twee books I've you know I've, I've yeah. kind of started I'm still very like still a very new area for me um you know I'm sort of going off in different rabbit holes now with like the alien concept and all of that mm-hmm. now the I know the Catherine Briggs book there there's lots of kind of quote like references to her book and and you know quotes I've seen in other fae books recently actually so I've only just come across her encyclopedia of fairies but if I'm right the when Brian and Wendy Frow books was it that he had the fae ask him to like depict them and he said to show how they are really like and they are actually meant to be like really good have I like, invented that have I plucked that no. out no, yeah, the, absolutely in the ballpark. I, I, I have I've had the pleasure on a couple of occasions of going to, to their house um, and wow. uh, spe- spent a couple of weekends with them many, many years ago. And um, I was so, the first time I went, I was so awestruck by Brian that I couldn't talk to him for the first day. I was just, I, I just couldn't get wow. my words out because, he, he, you know, it was he was a big, massive hero sort of growing up. Uh, yeah. through his work but I, I did um, get to chat to him quite in depth on the, the second time that I, that I visited them about that and and uh, he talked to me about he would go uh, out for walks in in nature and he would often just sit and um, objects such as rocks or trees would would kind of grow and morph into into uh, the spirits that were contained in them or around them he also said that some of his fairy paintings were based on people he felt were of the fae realm, so humans that he felt mm-hmm. that transverse, uh, trans- transverse that, that fae realm, like Wendy, you know, his wife Wendy is often depicted in his paintings. But the most fascinating bit for me was he says that oftentimes he'll be painting, be working really hard on, on uh, painting in his studio, and he will have um, the fairies come in and, and bother him to be painted. And then he kind of has yeah. to tell them, you know, wait your turn. You know, I, I, I'm wow. kind of busy. Um, but they, <laughs> are, 
they are so matter of fact about it you know it's it's like you know have, having stray hedgehogs coming into the house that you know they're, <laughs> they're just so matter of fact they're lovely lovely people oh what an experience honestly I can just feel these little fey like lining up like yeah. do you mean now paint me like one of your French girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I can imagine them doing that as well definitely yeah I can actually yeah <laughs> I was going to ask you, when I think of the accounts of like the wise women, you know, the cunning folk and so on, and they used to say about going off in the morning and collecting herbs, and you would get a lot of stories of the wise women kind of having the fae, you know, so, you know, there's there's a few bits in folklore of, of um, you know, wise women that said like the fae would tell them what plants to use. And, yeah. and you know, like, I, and I, again, I'm one thing about this show is I'm terrible at pronunciation. If it, is it like the Devas, D-E-V-A-S, like the plant Devers, series? Yeah. Devas, yeah, yeah, yeah Devas. Yeah. They are connected to the spirit and they kind of stay with the plant, but they are, are like, they are kind of fey in a sense, but connected to the plant. And I don't know, like, the more that I've heard accounts of that, I do kind of get that imagery of, like, them kind of connecting with the healers and telling them, you know, use this, you could use that, this would do this, this would heal that um that's always been a really in area of interest for me because obviously the, the witchy side which I know yeah. obviously you're very into as well um but yeah I think that was kind of something that I've always really been fascinated thinking I really do think that there's that like plant spirit as well and those messages have possibly been received over the course of time and maybe that is why we know how to use certain things because when you look at some of the, the herbs and how people figured out is to heal that you're yeah. like huh that who went to the methods to get that to work and thought oh that'll heal gout or whatever weird ailments someone had you know I do think there's got to be this I do wonder like if there is these messages that were coming across from the divas to to these wise women yeah I, I definitely think that I mean you know that there is a massive connection between these energies and I think I think that those those um, entities do fall under under faith for me faith for me is just everything other than the spirits of the dead or you know anything yeah. in material form like you know reptilian aliens etc that are more in material form but in terms of I'm I'm with you I'm fascinated it's uh you know I, I um use herbs quite a lot um mm. and I often have that thought of how many people died while they were trying this out you know yeah. before they got to a stage where they knew if they steeped it in you know um horses urine for three days that it would be all right and they could use it it's like who knows that you know who knows those, those yeah. quirky little things um I, I definitely think that that's it and I think that when you're out in nature um you do start picking up on on signs and signals uh, when you spend mm -hmm. time in nature that you wouldn't do in in sort of the modern uh, hub of, of the world so if you spend time um walking out in in a woodland or a forest you you start understanding things like you know bird activity and what that means in terms of what weather's coming in or yeah. you know and and I think it does go right the way down into into the uh to the essence of of the plants as well and um you know it's it's touch and go whether it's the actual plants because I do I do believe that plants speak to us I, I, yeah. Yeah. as as well as the uh, the energies that that tend to them you know I think plants have a have a language they want to be used they want to be picked that they want to be respected so yeah it's a good subject we could talk all night about herbs let me tell you oh, you, oh, oh well I'd love you to come back on Kate yeah 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 <laughs> honestly we could talk about it all, all day yeah. um it's really funny because I was you were saying about like art and the fae and and it was something Joe talked about on modern fairy sightings about things changing around the time of the pandemic which yes. really got me because I was like I know I, I, I don't know if you can relate on this I think I remember you saying about this on her episode because she was saying you know she started her podcast which is an, I know an expansion of her work so I know she did a lot yeah. anyway with the Faye before that I really can resonate with this because I have no idea how I ended up starting a podcast. No idea. Yeah. Just before COVID about witchcraft. No idea whatsoever. Obviously, was always a you know a witch. Um, and a lot of my work is tied into the Fae and their origins and, and the folklore. It's not like the main part of my work, but it is an element of a big element of it. 
Um, have you found your work relating to the faiths? So I again, I know you were doing loads in this field anyway, has kind of expanded since this time. Do you think this is a kind of I don't know, I don't want to say like maybe a direct call from the Fae, or do you think it's a time of great change that is is linked to perhaps things or something that they have engineered in relation to the earth and our treatment of it or so on? I mean, that that's kind of my take on it. And I know mm. Joe's written on that as well. Do you have any thoughts on that and what's kind of happening with, with them currently? Yeah, I mean, it was very, very strange. I, I, um, I'm, I'm good fr friends with Joe, and um, we, we have talked about. Uh, and when we both found out that we we both started podcasting about the same time, and we both said we've got no idea where it came out of nowhere. It's not something that I have, I ever planned to do, and it's a bit like mind blowing. I think great change, definitely. I think uh, my life started changing. Uh, literally just before uh, lockdown uh, to to become right. something that resembles nothing like it four years ago I mean four years ago I was teaching GCSE art in uh, in secondary setting um, mm. and, and that's not what I'm doing now it's very very different so I think it played out an opportunity to for people to reevaluate. but in terms of fairies right from the get-go um, because I'd been on uh Chris Fleming's show I yeah. was contacted very very early on during Covid uh, by a group that was setting up um, and unfortunately it kind of dispelled a bit uh, but they were setting up a node network across the globe of people who um, were working with the Fae to, mm. to try and bring a higher consciousness to human beings through setting up these beacons uh, these these fairy beacons um, around the globe and that's something that I'd never ever been involved in before and um, that was right at the very very beginning and I was doing a lot of study uh, around folklore at the time and for me it was I, I was there, there were things within folklore that weren't really answering the questions that I had in in a way that I felt was satisfactory mm. so the pod, podcast for me was like I was having these experiences that weren't in folklore texts I wanted to ask people who had had experiences who uh, work in these realms and I was very very lucky that I had a, a really good base of people at the time in the paranormal field and on the outskirts that I could interview um, and nobody said no much to my shock and horror because I, I very first couple of episodes I don't know about you but I was a I was a wreck you know I, I just especially yeah. because I, yeah. I I mean, my very first episode, I, I sat down with David Wells, uh, David Wells, who's um, he was the brilliant psychic medium on um, Most Haunted back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, I had been spending uh, spending time chatting with him for a couple of years before. Um, and he said, yeah, I'll come on and talk to you about it. And and all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to have to steer this conversation. But it. <laughs> It kind of grew and it grew to a point where a mutual friend um, introduced me to Neil, um, uh, Neil Rushton, who is my co-host. Yeah. And we, we spent probably just under a year chatting before he came on for an interview. And um, I, I, I just asked him out of the blue, I said, you know, would you like to come on and co-host with me? And to my surprise, he said yes. And he brings such a good element you know he's very grounded he's got a good academic background he is a believer but he's also he's not skeptical but he he he's a very critical thinker so yeah. I get very excited about people's experiences and Neil Neil sort of you know sits and you can see his brain ticking over he's he's definitely the brains of the brains of the thing at the minute Again, I think I might have gone off on one there no no, no 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 I'm just listening to what you're saying so I was just thinking um I completely resonate with your timescales as well. I was just kind of thinking about the um, your YouTube. I was thinking about what you're saying about interviewing. I could not have interviewed somebody on my first episodes. Honestly, Kate, I was an absolute mm. nervous wreck. <laughs> like the fact that you went all in, trust me, because I even today, I you know, I know you interview like regularly on 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 your uh, podcast. But yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely get like real like and I don't even know why, but real stage fright doing interviews yeah. genuinely every time. So the fact that you went 
in straight off the bat doing that I have to take my, my hat off to you but it's really funny because like you I was I worked in recruitment for like 20 years yeah <laughs> 20 years and I was just like I'm just gonna start this little podcast just to promote I was making like witchy candles I was doing all this work with herbs yeah honestly I was like I'm just gonna do a little podcast you know just to just to help promote my candles and my yeah. stuff <laughs> it took over and I was like oh I'm doing this now and then lockdown <laughs> came in you know furlough and that was it I was just doing it I was just like well I can't go and do my normal job so yeah yeah it was so bizarre but I I like you I'm like what how did and when people ask me how did you end up doing that I'm like literally no idea no <laughs> idea yeah no yeah. idea. <laughs> just here I am just yeah but love it but I've no idea how I, how I kind of fell into it and and can resonate with that as well I really think as well it's really interesting how much is kind of filtering over into art and books and you know and and I kind of have this little theory and it's something me and some of the patreons talked about that perhaps they are kind of making themselves not known but perhaps we're more aware of them and you know maybe I do wonder if it's firstly because of the you know it's that earth's call and for us to kind of consider who else is here and stop being selfish and start doing more things and being more conscientious and looking after nature and you know it needs more of us to do that and be more conscious of you know we should do that for the animals alone but maybe like the fate element as well like for some of us it makes us more aware of, of of a bigger world um but I don't know also you know the world like kind of around like a hundred years ago as well like it was quite an interesting time um for things like the fae and uh, strangely around the sort of like the the 1920s there was a lot of interest in you know spirits and mm -hmm. and and fae as well it's quite interesting that it's like almost like a hundred years on it's like exactly the same resurgence and there's always been an interest in it but I do find that quite interesting as well yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the two sort of major elements, I think, and I, I, I do agree with you about, you know, the, the time has come where we where we have to consider that we're part of nature, we're not, uh, you know, we're not disconnected from it, we can't do as we please, uh, yeah. because it has a ricochet effect, but I think the quiet that um, the lockdowns afforded us, and, and um, when those first raft of lockdowns came and they were quite severe and, um, you know, you were only allowed to go out for, you know, an hour's exercise a day, people were literally getting into the countryside for the first time in a long time mm -hmm. and taking their children for walks in nature. And I, I definitely saw um, in the area that I was living at the time, I saw this huge popularity in people making fairy doors. So all the woods that were around and about, you know, I mean, it wasn't just one or two, there were just, you know, 50, 60, 70 fairy doors that it, mm -hmm. it had this ricocheting effect. So there was a raising consciousness of that kind of, um, of that kind of energy. I also think in times of despair, whether it be um, the onset of wars, that people uh, people look to um, for comfort, and yeah. I think that the Fae were definitely there for a lot of people, even if it was just getting out and having that fresh air and appreciating nature. I mean, I don't know whether you or your listeners, uh, you know, noticed, but during the lockdowns, wild animals became they didn't become tame, but they became less frightened of human beings. I mean, I had yeah. to look at. I had an encounter with um, a young hare. Um, I, I've never been up close wow. with, with a hare, but it, it was metres away. It was it was one one uh, evening I was strolling along and it was just metres away, just stood looking at me and it had no fear of me whatsoever. Um, and it just kind of sorted off in the field. It didn't it didn't bolt off. But I had a couple of occasions where uh, deer were the same. You know, you could be a few metres away from it from a deer and they just seemed calmer they, they didn't seem yeah. uh, spooked by humans which was it was they were really special encounters but I think it was um, there was a lot to do with the psychic energy that that period of time was creating and and how that was interplaying with people and I think uh, there was there's a, there was a certain set of people that that um, chose to to hear the calling to rise I suppose not above it but but beyond it 
um, and get back into nature and, and, and sort of attune themselves to their own authenticity. And like you, you know, a lot of people were either furloughed or decided, you know what, I need to change my life. I need to do some 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 good in the world, you know, in, in all this panic. So it's it's a really complex one, but for whatever the reason is behind it, I think it was uh, it had some real lovely, beautiful waves uh, come out of it, which is good. Absolutely, and I think what you said about animals being less fearful of us kind of got to think that that would have been, you know, if you think like hundreds, of, you know, if you literally a couple of hundred years ago, less cars on the road, less pollution, all these things, that would have been a real reflection of how life was then. You've kind of yeah. got so many different, you know, sightings and different things, that, you know, of the Fae and so on. So it's almost like perhaps, you know, maybe there were so many sightings documented and, you know, all of that going on and, and such a belief because, life was different than you know there, there's so much noise now you know yeah and, and maybe it was just more easy to connect and see things because you're not so bombarded with all this other stuff like that's genuinely what I like to think you know that yeah we, we have so much that we we don't even they'll probably be waving at us half the time we're looking yeah. at our phones so yeah <laughs> but, yeah so <laughs> Hey, what are you working on currently? Is there anything you're, you'd like to share that you're kind of working on project-wise or or I know you've got your lovely, uh, I love your mushroom craft, honestly, but is there anything you'd like to share with us that you're kind of immersed in at the moment? I um obviously I'm 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 standing still round and about and I, I do go out and give uh, like I say talks to paranormal uh to paranormal groups and 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 other groups who are kind of interested in the subject from from that slightly you know odder perspective of a ghost hunter that that sees fairies um i have got i have got a secret project possibly possibly <laughs> to, i have got one secret project that i am more than happy in a, in the next couple of months to come back when when that's kind of oh, up and running yeah. uh, to talk to you about um that's kind of um in the ether there's a, a possible uh, other biggie sort of towards the end of this year next year which is going to be and um, you know a, a massive one so other than doing you know those I can't talk about just yet but um yeah. there'll be more uh YouTube videos going up the next one is with a lovely Dr Simon Young uh talking about the modern fairy census but also talking about his real passion is about uh boggarts and about yeah. um uh, so we have a real good in-depth conversation about about what boggarts are and how they fit into into fairy so that's coming up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've got something, something fae related every month going off. So um, that, that's going to, that's definitely going to keep me busy. Amazing. Honestly, this has been one of my favourite talks on the podcast. Absolutely amazing. I've loved having you on. I would be honoured if you come back on and talk to us about what you're up to and, and herbs and whatever you'd like to talk about, Kate, honestly. <laughs> I will link all your socials, anything you like it, obviously in the show notes so people can find you. If there's anything you want to add or kind of on that front now, please go ahead. Um, but honestly, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's absolutely flown by. It's honestly, it's, it's just been like sat in, sat in the living room chatting with a mate. So it's been brilliant. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm.